one's gonna compliment you no one's gonna nod their head and wink in league with what you were pursuing no one's gonna tie surprise balloons onto your desk at work and no one's gonna ask you I can bring some friends if you want us to come. We can bring you cake and we can bring you flowers. We can bring you wine and we can talk for hours. Ukulele by request. Hello and welcome to Unfolding Sound, the podcast that dissects and explores music. This is Will System, and with me is... Doug Leach. And... Adam Austin. We have a very interesting show for you today. Today is July the 13th, Wednesday, 2022. So uh, definitely have a lot to unpack here. How has everybody been? Anybody gone to any cool shows, done anything interesting? Been to a few shows in the past couple weeks. I went to go see... Wingtips and Twin Tribes last night, week before that, uh, saw Suicide Commando. All well and good and fun. It, it all went well. <laughs> That's pretty good. How was Suicide Commando? Good. They they went hard with their stuff. A lot of bass. Any any audio recording I did with theirs is completely unusable, which normally doesn't happen. But So, yeah, they, they went hard with their stuff. I was, I, I was happy about that. Suicide Commando is not a thing to go lightly on. <laughs> is this their first, that was their first time in Kansas City? I think so. He didn't say that, but at the same time, I don't know that they've ever played anywhere around here before. Kansas City's starting to get some really, really good shows. Yeah. Seems like we have plenty of venues, even though it seems like most of them are burning down these days. <laughs> I mean, we, we had quite a few clothes in the past few years, but then we had yeah. a few new ones pop up yeah. and a few stuck around. So, yeah, yeah we've, we've got venues to spare. Record Bar's been doing, those guys been doing a good job of giving you lemonade park and the um, mini bar and obviously the record bar how about wingtips how was that show so wingtips themselves uh there were four bands on the bill but wingtips was the ones i was sort of going to go for and to be fair i didn't i don't really listen to any of the bands on the bill that much uh twin tribes wingtips and panic priest it's all very post-punk 80s stuff, which isn't really my wheelhouse. But at the same time, I know uh, Wingtips and Twin Tribes are fairly popular, and they do right. uh, cold waves and stuff occasionally. So I wanted to see them if they were coming through town. Uh, Where Wing- did they play? At the Record Bar. At the Record Bar? Wingtips was great. We wow. all really enjoyed their set. Uh, it was very energetic. It was very well done and clear and just a lot of energy. Twin Tribes was pretty good. It's 
more goth, which is less of my thing, but they still did a pretty good job. Well, that, there's definitely uh, nothing interesting happening in my world at the moment, you know, just definitely a lot of work and a lot of editing episodes and, uh, you know, just uh, just moving along. What about you, Adam? Anything cool and new and just exciting happening? you know, getting older and dealing with, you know, trying to stay healthy, stay alive, you know, get yeah. the job done. Definitely good to be behind the mic again with you, gents. Mm. Let's go ahead and jump into our uh, music reviews. The overall topic of today is protest music. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, there's definitely a lot to talk about in the world of protest music. We have some interesting selections. So yeah. we figured we'd dedicate this episode to just talking a little bit about protest artists and bands that have kind of influenced things throughout the years as far as music is concerned. And there is so much to talk about on this topic. Not only the music itself, but then the relationship that the artists have with their releases, their responsibilities of the releases and the relationships they have with the adversaries that they are protesting <laughs> against. Right. Um, you know, and where do they draw these lines and is there an ethical relationship to it? Those are all very important uh, things. Not only the that, but just the functional aspects of the formal aspects of the music is, are they making their point with the music that they're making? Yeah, you know, when you think of protest music, you think of Bob Dylan, you think of Sinead O'Connor, you think of Cranberries, you think yeah. of... Bono, you think of a few That's, characters out there. You just named off the, the Irish list. <laughs> <laughs> as far as in the Irish world is concerned, yeah. you know, it's, uh, protest is, is uh, music has always been a powerful outlet. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, my earliest inklings of protest music all comes from, you know, folk music. I mean, there's a lot of sea shanties and everything. There's a lot of people who are robbed from their land one way or another and then sent over to be slaves or workers in other places. And a lot of those stories are protest musics in themselves. But as far as, you know, the 60s, I think when recorded music and broadcast music really started to come on, the earliest one I can think of is Pete Seeger. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of songs that he did, you know, that you grew up with as children in kindergarten, which is <laughs> interesting. You know, This Land is Our Land, I believe is one of his. Yeah. Yeah, Bob Dylan comes along. The earliest stuff for me would have been Public Enemy and then I also Rage Against the Machine just because, uh, yeah, yeah. how early they would have hit for me. Now you're aging me here, dude, so. <laughs> well, just, but it wasn't somebody playing me older music. Like right. my, my parents were into music, but they weren't into political music. It was all kind I, of the popish stuff. One of the interesting things about that, though, is you know you heard it growing up. Yeah. What seeped into your psyche that, you know, maybe change the way you looked at the world i mean um this land is your land that's a great one in that sense you know and then there was things about cleaning america up i grew up in a in a latin america in a latin household in an hispanic household in a mexican household to be specific and didn't really have a lot of exposure to some of that particular music that you're talking about as i was coming up there was uh, it there was you didn't grow up with protest music i mean there's nothing with bob from... dylan i grew up with a lot of hip-hop right. not to say that hip-hop isn't protest music i think they protest and hip-hop go hand in hand <laughs> pretty right. much but I also grew up with a lot of Latin American artists as My well. Artists. Like, for example, you have Facundo Cabral, who is an artist from Argentina that talks a lot about the government struggles that are happening right there. And uh, you have other 
artists like Mercedes Sosa that really voice a lot of the plight for the indigenous community. Just things like that pretty much as I was growing up. And then later on, I started getting exposed to Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jimi Hendrix was a huge one. I mean, uh, I sent you guys clips of Machine Gun, which was one of my favorites. And I still think uh, Star Spangled Banner as an instrumental that he did was horribly political. You yep. know, beautifully political, I should say. Right. Um, still the best rendition I've ever heard, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, it's the one everybody else tries to live up to, even if they're singing it. It's so expressive because he makes it sound like there's a jet planes or airplanes and bombs and machine guns. And, I mean, that's true artistry right there. And other people talk things or sing things. But as an artist, as a musician, that was something that really came out a lot, you know. The 60s and the 70s definitely gave us some of the most powerful music that is still covered today. And some of the bands that we're going to talk about today uh, cover a lot of music from that time as well. You know, there was definitely so much happening in the country. There was a lot of turmoil happening politically, socially, feminine revolution, the war with Vietnam. There was just a lot of shit happening in the country. You know, the country had indigestion. That pretty much set the parameter for a lot of protest music and a lot of uh, interesting protest music has come along since, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some bands have kind of dedicated their whole thing to being that. And then occasionally you get some yeah. one-offs here and there. And... I mean, The Clash, yeah. my favorite all-time probably, Rage Against the Machine, as you mentioned. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's business in it, I suppose, but there's also just like so much music you could say there's revolutionary music or protest music there's peace music and then there's social commentary music you don't always think of those as all the same thing although they kind of do but as an artist what do you do you look at the world and you take the world as observation and you write about it and if you see something wrong and you have a conscience you say it one of the contemporary artists that my colleague doug brought to my attention was amanda palmer Jumping into the current events that are happening today with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, he uh, showed me a very powerful song called Voicemail for Jill. When we started talking about doing political albums, this was the first one that came to mind, mainly because of the song The Voicemail for Jill. I thought about it more at the time. This was several weeks back. And this this was the main song I was thinking about. Now, the rest of the album is not quite, is less political, we'll put it that way. So I had changed my mind on there. And I had actually put in our discussion feed about this that unless the topic really was going to be Roe v. Wade, that it may not be worth doing the album that I moved on to something else. Right. And then one week later, Roe v. Wade got overturned. <laughs> and then suddenly it became super relevant. I had stuck with my choice of an album that I picked after this one, but I really wanted to come back and talk about a voicemail for Joe. Which, it was a powerful song. Oh, absolutely. The video it, was, it is a gut punch. The video was oh, very yeah. moving. And it goes through... Kind of the the loneliness and the grief of things. Uh, it's a very it's a very personal journey. It's important for us to see things from their perspective, and she does an amazing job of talking her friend in a voicemail to all women about what that is like, and the things that you're going to get and the things that you're not going to get. Doug brought a good point of uh, how it's not necessarily a political song because I introduced it as a political song. Well, it's... but it, it is, but not because the song itself doesn't talk about the politics mm -hmm. of it. The only thing that makes it political is that it's about abortion, and abortion, especially now, is political, and there's no way to get around it. <laughs> yeah, right. As you go through the story of it, at the very end, there's a beautiful ending where she suggests to her friend that she's going to come comfort her and they'll throw her a party that will 
help console her and she can cry as what she likes or and um, the last line is we'll throw you the best abortion shower <laughs> yeah partially there's a lot of you know stress and strain on anybody who's either had an abortion or had a miscarriage or struggles to get pregnant and can't um there's a loss of course there's a loss for everyone in either way right well, right the, and, and i just find it fascinating you know i mean this wasn't meant to be a political song, you know, it was meant to be about a friend showing another and friend's support, but I mean, it's really amazing how I can see how it can be political. I think one of the differences, this particular song, being a protest or not being a protest isn't really the issue. It's It can be, and it is emotive. What it doesn't examine is how she got pregnant, why she got pregnant, what the circumstances were, what her circumstances physically, health-wise, where she lives, how old she is. It doesn't examine any of that. And it's not, I don't think the song is supposed to. It's a, it's a song for men and women to understand the emotional processes. What well, separates this for her, of course, is this is one of those processes that has the same grief. The not pointing the fingers and not having the rationale means it's like less of a protest song and more of a support song the focus of the song isn't about it's not about the loss but it's about the emotional process yes and the grief exactly right but you said that um you read that she had been trying to write this song for years yes uh because she she's gone through the process herself as she she's stated in many interviews Mm -hmm. and yeah she spent years trying to figure out how to write a song about abortion and it took her a long time but i i appreciate that it it gives a a sense of perspective that like obviously me as a guy i would like i would have a harder time with some of the the lyrics that really hit on that was uh it's a strange grief but it's grief Mm-hmm. Look at all the women in the street. That's what I meant, yeah. You know the statistics, Jill, even though they may not help. Isn't it amazing how we can never tell who is an identical hell? Right, yeah. It's women go through abortions. Nobody ever talks about it. And I'm not saying it like it needs to be a topic that comes up or anything like that. But everybody is very isolated about it because of the nature of it. Not you something know? you go on Facebook and post about, you know, I just right. had an abortion or yeah. a miscarriage. Right. You know, it's a very personal and a very right. private struggle. Now, that was one of the things that she was trying to change a little bit, making it more public. Like, not everybody wants to hear about it and stuff like that. But right. the more people talk about it, the more normal. It's an empathic it. song. Which is what I got. Yes. I mean, it's giving you a person who listened to the story and go, oh, you know, I see that private hell of loneliness and going through it alone and nobody's there for you. And it is private and you don't have to argue the legality of it or the reason at that point. It's just a thing that someone sometimes may or may not out of necessity have to do. Of course. And that they have to suffer through it alone. And that alone is, I think, one reason for making choice available. Right. Yeah, but you the, don't ever know the circumstances. The political climate in the country right now, though, definitely makes it political to right. a certain extent, you know, because of everything that is happening. Well, if you, it's like if you're not taking care of this one person who just went through this emotionally, why would you make it worse? So overall, the song seems to be trying to move things forward with trying to normalize talking about abortion. Right. And the song was written 2019, 2018, somewhere in there. And now that you know Roe v. Wade has been overturned, that just sets the conversation back. Trying to normalize talking about it is no longer like the focus on it. 
it's now just trying to make it so you can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's part of it, though. That it's the stigma. Yeah. That's wrapped around it, normalizing it. It should be still important. I think you know. It is, but it's harder to have that conversation when the the ability to do it isn't. It's right. It's not but there you anymore. Have to. Okay, so moving on to our to our album picks. Now it's strong time transition. To... I know. Now it's time to. <laughs> that was a segue. Anyway, <laughs> now it's time to go fight. <laughs> the uh, the album I picked for for this episode is anthem by go fight okay go fight is a uh, industrial band out of chicago led by uh, jim marcus who was also in diwarzu i think it's how you say diwarzu diwarzu yeah anthem is a covers album that jim marcus put together for charity reasons he's right but Uh, he he had all the proceeds going to uh raices well, I'm glad you said that because I would have uh, said a benefit wrong. organization aiming to defend the rights of immigrants and refugees. Not everything on here is a political song, or at least not. No, some not, of his social commentary. Right, but it was all stuff that he thought was political or or protest music or something along those lines. Of so course. it meant something to him, even if that isn't super obvious. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was. Does he it, talk about whether or not these are songs that influenced him? Yes, because every one of these has got that whole. Well, you could say pre-techno not kind the, of stylistic. You know, yeah, exactly. Not a lot of the songs were really protesty by definition. I think that what really jives in, in the sense of protest is the era mm-hmm. where the songs came from, which was the 80s, Cold yeah, War. Which was Cold War, a very uh, Berlin Wall. You've got that with Underneath the Radar. You also have uh, yep. booming industrialism with... Things like Clone and the Shriekback song. Um, Underneath the Radar was a, was a, definitely a very, very nice cover. It's a cover of Underworld. From, the, from their first era, mm-hmm. yes. From uh, their very pre- first era. Pre-techno era. is literally one of my favorite bands one of the top oh, yeah. three same but i don't listen to much of their first era stuff when they were like a four-piece or five-piece band like i've listened mm-hmm. to bits and pieces it's kind of the it. same thing too yeah. you know i came up with the stuff around you know born slippy juanita kiteless you know all that jazz yep. you know but yeah this is underworld uh very earlier stuff you know yes. and this is an underworld cover and, and probably their best song from that that era and i i've always liked it Definitely very poignant message that Underworld had. It's pretty much about the chances of nuclear war during the Cold War. It's it's relevant, though, I think, to uh, immigration. It, it, it definitely has a lot of that undertone to it because it's about... If you're living under the... Because those people were, like, you know, trying li- to get away f- or across the Berlin Wall. And... We, we live underneath the radar, mm-hmm. yeah. In terms of music, I actually thought it was a very, it's a very straightforward cover. It's not exactly the same, but it, he doesn't do a lot to, like, change up the music or anything like that it's a pretty straightforward cover and i think it was really well done you know i I think out of the whole album definitely he put his stamp on it it sounds (laughs) like him all the way through and that was good and bad if you loved the song before you may not like his version i really do appreciate his love of gang of four and post-punk pre-techno wave kind of thing going on which was very 80s for sure yeah uh, i love a man in uniform by gang of four yeah cabaret voltaire is another one i I love that cover of spies on the wires 
um, right wing pigeons <laughs> from, from the <laughs> dead, dead milkman, milk which I, I would actually argue is a protest song. It definitely <laughs> is. I, I like, mean, in my cover band, when I was in high school, <laughs> I, I played the bass line for that song and sang it. And I was like, I can't believe this is on this list. this song <laughs> but i was like no that's not how i would have done it i wouldn't have done it like that no i never would have done yeah it, that, 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 his cover of it is very different because the dead yeah. milkmen sound like the dead milkman right there is a, some similarity between the dead milkman and gang of four and that really edgy post-punk modernist well, you know, kind of very very interesting thing about the dead milkman uh and uh right wing pigeons that song was written by joe jack and if you look at his history he was a gay rights activist and uh ever been down to the shore Right, and he was from Georgia, and he lived in a town in Georgia, and they had a law in the books that said that if that if everybody had guns, then they wouldn't have crooks. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we laugh, just a right but at the same pigeon time. from outer space and here to destroy the human race. And the the lead singer, the Doug Milkman, who whose name I'm blanking on him. Right. He, he's a huge industrial fan. Even though Dead Milkman, not industrial in the slightest. They are no. jangly rock bands. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was very like janky, like nerdy punk kids. Yep. And it was comic, too. Uh, a lot of it was very tongue-in-cheek. Besides that song, there was also Bitchin' Camaro and oh, yeah. quite yeah, a few same other album, ones. Yeah. Yeah. He did Later a good job out. with uh, Alice Cooper's clone. That one's actually pretty straightforward also. Exactly, <sighs> exactly. You know, just basic, straightforward message. A world that's yeah. utopian, free of doctors and governments, where everybody's just the perfect clone. back and listen to the, that version. version I was like oh my god because Alice Cooper I did not think of him as being so almost techno that one was it was very 80s it may just be that album or maybe even that song I haven't researched that much into it but that yeah just l- of his. listening to it you would have thought oh go fight really transform this song to make it sound like kind of this old 80s almost Gary Newman type song right but then you go to listen to the original it's like no no Alice Cooper did that. <laughs> yeah and I, that's why I was like going I mean He's very much of a performance art artist to begin oh, yeah. with. So, you know, whatever. Nothing but respect for Alice Cooper, yeah. yes. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he could change his clothes anytime he wanted to. But um, Then it seems like one of the most popular songs, at least according to the Bandcamp page, is uh, Bostitch by Yellow. One of the weirdest freaking bands. Like, everyone's heard their songs. Nobody's ever heard of them. I haven't heard too much of of Yellow before, Uh you know. But you've heard the Oh Yeah song. Just looking into the movies, it was in Kit Kat commercials way back in the day. 
Of course, of course. I was looking into the vocalist Dieter Meyer. He worked industrial you know, millionaire guy. It, yeah. It's interesting, you know. You know, when you listen to this song, you know, it's a cover by Yellow. Uh, it seems to be about servitude to technology, and and also it seems to be about a he friggin' gambling it. addiction. Well, Possibly, yeah. So, <laughs> what? What is the um, standing at the machine every day? I'm I used to do it and I need it. It's the only thing I want. It's just a rush, push. Well, the cash. vocalist Dieter Meyer worked yeah. at a bank, and he was also a professional gambler. Oh, so, so there is a, the intermittent reward syndrome going on in this. So if, if you know that bit of history about the vocalist, then that kind of puts a different twist it on this does song. A you know, bit. I'm like, is this about a gambling he addiction? Wants the cash, right? Exactly. It, except the only thing about that is it's still the dehumanization of mankind through working, but he's loving it. And Bostitch, of course, makes all sorts of industrial equipment from staplers to press machines. Yeah, I had to look that one up. And it's just like, oh, that's <laughs> like, a company. It's all a right. company. But it's like if you're working in a factory and all you do is just like close the lid, lift the lid, take the thing out, put another thing in, close the lid, lift the lid. You know, it's that thing where he's it's just a rush, push, cash. You know, it's the only thing I want. Standing at the machine every day I used to do it and I needed a maybe Bostitch made gambling machines. Well, the, the other thing brought to mind uh, was the, the visualization of the workers in the movie Metropolis, uh-huh. where they're just standing at these huge right. uh, bars that they're just forcing back and forth to do something. But obviously, they're that that's their job. It's just yeah. mindless work yeah. that captures the feeling of mindless servitude to the rhythm, to the great There was a There was a unknown. Bjork movie where she was going blind. Oh, uh, Dancer in the Dark. Dancer in the Dark, yeah. It reminds me of that. Almost. Then he did a, an original piece here, which was definitely protest music, Land of the Free, by his original project, Die Warzo, his first I, project. Yeah, I would still call it a cover because it is it is quite a bit different than the original, or at least it's it's very updated uh, sonically. Like the lyrics are the same, but right. it has a much more updated sound, and I like the new version more. <laughs> I got into it a sounds a lot fluffle with this one, looking up the uh, original song because I didn't know about it, and I ended up with the Killers version of this song that they wrote, which is a completely different song altogether, yeah, and that was a good song too. That particular album that it was on is actually kind of hard to find. They're not all over the place. And the Killers version, not not the Killers version. Oh. The uh, the Di Warzu. Di Warzu. Di Warzu. Yeah, they, they've got a few albums out here and there that you can listen to. But usually, if you want to dig it up, you're almost going to have to jump on YouTube. Right. It just yeah. it isn't out there. That yeah. uh, touches on stuff that's a little more contemporary to our times. You know, like guns. The wall that Trump tried to build, uh, overall the rise of white supremacy. Lyrics go, how many daughters and sons do we have to put in the ground? I know, so it definitely touches mm-hmm. up on, on a lot of political issues in America. And, and really, Go Fight continued that because a lot of their stuff is is political. Other albums, stuff like you know, Gay on the Dance Floor, uh, Moscow Drag, uh, yeah, Jim, We Are the Enemy. Jim himself is a very political, socially active person. <laughs> He's a he's a typographer, is he not? He's that too, yes. Yeah, I mean that's kind of as a day job. That's kind of there's nothing more than print. I mean the most vocal group, politically in school when I was growing up was always the print shop. 
whoever's <laughs> making the band flyers, whoever's making the posters, the print shop, if you're a silkscreen artist or anything, you're printing books, you print is a big deal. And being a typography, it's pretty cool. He's got some neat recognition for the work he's done in that genre. The album ends off with Soft Cell's memorabilia, which in other circles like me, I know the song more from the Nine, Nine Inch Nails, Nails cover. <laughs> <laughs> the and cover to cover to cover. Yeah. I was it, like maybe 16, 17 when I first heard memorabilia, you know, and, and it was the Nine Inch Nails cover that I first heard yep, of. That, same here. That's how I was introduced to it. It is kind of a struggle. That's an interesting thing about cover songs. Number one, you want to make it your own. The problem with that is everybody has their own viewpoint and they all share the same song. When you take away what you like about it and then make it again in your own way, you've lost all the other people who have their own thing that they like about it. So it becomes very difficult to win someone over on a cover because they already have a number one, a preconception. And part of that preconception is the favorite thing that they like about that song that maybe you did or not include in your version. I'd say that's actually a plus about this album then is that most of these songs are really obscure. In a weird way, unless yeah, you, you can were miss into them. these bands to start with, yeah, right? like you probably like most of the people I know have never even heard of any of these bands, with the exception of like Alice Cooper, maybe the Dead Milkman, Soft <laughs> Cell. When you tell them their other song, right? <laughs> I mean, for me, I have to say the Gang of Four song and Right Wing Pigeon. I was like, uh, but Right Wing Pigeon. When we talked about that, when we talk about analog instruments and digital instruments and how sometimes they never, it's hard to make them work together because one's locked into, you know, a, yeah. a preset um, is that in Right Wing Pigeon, there's actually a guitar solo in there that I remember. And so. then, but, and then uh, there was no real bass line in um, the shriek back when, you know, the spine is my bass line. Yeah, there's a bass line there. Yeah, but I think it was more digital. Like the oh, absolutely. I, absolutely. Was, I, I believe it, it is a digital The original one. And even in, um, I think, oh, Right Wing Pigeon, the bass line is very strong in the original. Hmm. It's, you know, how it sort of jangles on, and it's very subdued in this version. I, I would say one of Go, go Fight's strengths uh, from a production standpoint is usually uh, percussion. Even compared to his this contemporaries. Is, it's 100% dance, 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 oh, yeah. revolution. And, and <laughs> revolution like, will be on the dance floor. It's a really strong dance beat, but it's also not a simple one. Like, he does multi-layered stuff. He makes yeah. it complex. And for me, that makes it, like, really interesting. I, I love Jim's production. Overall, the album. Overall, the album did a great job in being a cover album, you know. But yes. I, I, I wouldn't say that it's definitely a political album per se. I know? think if you uh, take out the covers of it, like I was able to listen to it a second and third time just as an album, yeah. and tried to ignore the fact that it was a cover and it was more enjoyable than comparing it to the originals. I would say it's more of a of an era cover album mm -hmm. with uh, with a noble cause behind it. Right, because yeah, some of, these, some of the songs are not obvious as to what's political about Social them at all. Commentary. Like, like yeah. memorabilia. Yeah, and my spine is the baseline. Like, there's there's yeah. nothing. There's no political connection or any protest type of connection between any of those songs. You know, but e even spies on the wires, despite what the name says, there's like when you go and look at the lyrics, there's nothing really political about it. The the line is like spies in the wires, not actually spies in the wires. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, the thing about the no the spine is the baseline one is it's no guts, no blood, no brains in it no at all. It's no about machines. Oh, yeah, the oncoming. You, you could get there, but you have to reach a little bit. It's it's social commentary on yeah. that for sure. We become stupid in a sense. But yeah, overall, I overall I like. Worked. I think I like every song in this album. 
to the point where like I, I don't skip anything when I listen to it. I've listened to this album quite a bit. Underneath the radar, my spine is the baseline. Uh, the Shriekback cover was definitely very good. Yes. I think he did a good job with Underneath the Radar. Uh, Bostitch is definitely one of the uh, catchier ones for sure. And uh, I think Spies on the Wires, I think his version, for me, is better than the Cabaret Voltaire version. Uh, everybody mm. else, I could be like, nah, it, it's as good as the original or something like that. I think Spies on the Wires is better. I think the older stuff for me, the more analog it is, it, see, it, has a, it breathes a little bit better. You Fair know, enough. I mean, it's like when you get too much compression, everything becomes shrink wrap. But I think that's a stylistic viewpoint that works with some music and not others. Yeah. And makes some music my favorite and some others not my favorite. But For sure, for sure. Uh, moving on to our next selection, I also went in, into a very popular cover album of our era. This is a Perfect Circle's Emotive. Uh, this was their third album. They actually released this on the election date of the Bush election. So this is a classic anti-Bush timepiece. Well, the hmm. Bush re-election. The Bush re-election, I'm sorry. So, interesting. So this was after the, the Iraq War and all that had started, so... They released this on the re-election date, uh, and again, you know, a, a very poignant anti-Bush timepiece. Very uh, interesting covers that Maynard did here with Perfect Circle. Uh, he started off the album with Annihilation to by Crucifix. This was from 1983, and uh, I think that that was a very interesting cover that he did. Yeah, um, I, I think it makes it a little more... Kind of like ominous. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it was definitely a good way to start the album, for sure. Kind of like growing intensity. Because the original, like, it starts with the guy shouting as fast as possible all of those lyrics, and then goes into, like, a minute and a half punk song with all those lyrics and whatnot, but it's a mm -hmm. lot harder to understand, whereas, yeah, this version is a lot more slow and ominous which is kind of the theme for this album <laughs> exactly exactly and definitely a 180 from the, the original to me this album was an irony i think it was almost like an inside joke of an irony because as a protest album the whole thing was a lullaby and it's tied up in the in one of the their original songs which was um counting the bodies like sheep to the uh, rhythm of the war drums counting bodies like sheep yeah. go to sleep but from the opening track with the xylophone like the child xylophone it was like a lullaby and every song was yes very down tempo there was very breathy whispered lyrics in yes. most of it right um everything was very sleepy and i felt like at first i was just perturbed i was like what is this like this isn't a this isn't a revolutionary record. This isn't a protest album. These are protest songs. And even Imagine was sounded like a little, like, just go to sleep, Imagine, you know. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer. Well, it, it's a darker take on Imagine, although oh, it's it about the same, is. same tempo, right. but it's, 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 it's done it's a, a minor key. It, it, perfect know. Circle <laughs> is, Perfect Circle, if you if you study their music overall, you know, when you compare them against Tool, they are the more mellow, melancholy type of a okay. well, kind of sound, pretty mu much. Musically, they're driven by Billy Howardell, who is what? the guitarist. He, he actually writes most of the music music right. version of it, and then... 
Maynard comes in later and does the lyrics and all that. I think that's what it is. And it, as a point that he's trying to make as an album, if that is something that he's doing, it's done very well in that sense that people are asleep. And Fair they, they don't want you to necessarily know or think or do, right? And that, that's probably that's a better take up. on it than what I've got, which is that's just kind of how they write music. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're going to go with yours. <laughs> you know, there's something that Subconscious does as an artist, you know, and this may be part of his style and he does that. But I was having trouble with, with that. And a lot of times it was like, well, again, comparing the originals to this, you know, um, uh, Lennon, Lennon's original was pretty slow. Uh, you it know, was. When, when, same when, tempo. When, yeah. Exactly. Kind of the same it's tempo the as well. When, when, exactly. You know, it's kind of like an inverted backwards, evil, bizarro version of Imagine. Well, and, and somebody correct will. me if I'm wrong, yeah. but it really sounds like the original was in a major key and this one's in a minor key. Exactly. Yeah, right. Or, yeah. or it's like the slightly sinister version of the mm. same song. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think when people do, when they sit down to do a cover song, they think, well, let's take this song that's normally a nursery rhyme and make it metal or take something that's very loud and aggressive and like, what do we do? It's slow it down a lot. He took some flower child era protest Uh music from here. He did. uh, Peace, love and understanding. He did the same thing where it was kind of a minor key version. And to me, the thing that makes that song is number one, the drums are pounding, right? You know, and um, then there's uh, big changes between chords and and vocals. You know, when you get through the the end of the thing, they end up going, well, what's so funny about peace, love and understanding? And there's all these crescendo and movements. And I was just flatlined on it. Like, I was like, okay, what's so funny about it? Like, I'm going to... So I'm blanking out on the guy who made that popular now. For I can picture his face. Um, Nick uh, Lowe no, he, wrote he, the song. He, he and wrote Elvis the song. Costello Elvis Costello performed oh, okay. it, and it was a huge, yeah, it's right. huge hit. And so that that was the thing I learned about this was that it's not an Elvis Costello song, right. even though that's the only way I know it. It's by right. a songwriter named uh, Nick Lowe. Yeah, well, he co-wrote a lot of stuff with him too, but yeah. And Nick Lowe is a good artist on his and, own right. And you can go out and hear Nick Lowe's version, and it sounds almost exactly like the Elvis Costello it does. version. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure he just filled in with the vocals there, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's all, always been one of my favorite all-times, like, protest song. Like, And there's a difference of protest. Protesting for change and protesting for peace, obviously. A lot of these songs are going to be talking about, why can't we just have peace? So they didn't do Why All We Are Saying, Give Peace a Chance by Lennon, but he's doing Imagine, which is still in there you know imagine living a better life with all this bullshit that we got to contend with he covered uh marvin gaye's what's going on Uh that's probably my favorite song of the album talk to me so you can see what's going on what's going on what's going on what's going on it's, it's not better than the original because that would be blasphemy to say. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. got a nice vibe to it. It's got a nice fuzzed out background. that, that And that's one of the things Billy Howard does that I love. Like, okay. It's why I follow him as a songwriter is stuff he does like this. Right. But yeah, I, the I really music like goes really well 
with the with the original lyrics. Yes, uh, you know it, it, it just kind of dis- with that snare fading in in the background just kind of has that sense of abandonment of, of longing pretty much. Well, and he kept this one upbeat. Like, it, it still sounds like a positive song, even though it might be a little slower than the original. Right. No, but he did a good job with this one. Yeah. Interesting selections here as far as the era that he picked. Oh, yeah. I did want to say this because I mentioned this earlier. The emotive, the definition of it is, number one, of or relating to the emotions. Two, appealing to or expressing emotion. And three, chiefly British usage causing strong emotion often in support of or against something as in a cause. See, I always took it as something expressing emotions. It is emotive. Right, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I suppose there's other definitions as well. Right. (laughs) And then they go ahead and they do a cover of Tapeworm, Passive. And uh, this was a project by Trent Reznor and Danny Lawner. Not really a protest song. Yeah, Tapeworm was an ongoing project that was, you know, Trent Reznor and Danny Lawner and a bunch of other guest artists and stuff like that that just never got off the ground. They never released anything. Trent Reznor sick of answering questions about it. He's just like, it's never coming out. Please stop asking. <laughs> but the one of the songs that or the song that Manor did uh, was originally called Vacant. And it was floating around online as a Perfect Circle song that he did in concert a few times. And I I absolutely love that. It's a horrible recording quality, but I absolutely love that version of the song. Right. And then they they finally fixed it up and did a real version of it and called it Passive, uh, which ended up on the Constantine soundtrack. So it it gets some play. That was Uh, a nice feature. But it's only sort of a cover because the other song never actually got released. (laughs) (laughs) Shame on you, Trent. Yeah, I, I believe he said that like none of it was actually all that interesting, and he just didn't want to do it if it wasn't going to be interesting. So, okay, I, I don't blame him for that. Hey, <laughs> you know what? One thing is for sure, if you don't feel your own work, then other people may not. So, I mean, I guess that's a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. But at the other other side, like, this song's actually pretty good. I think that uh, the album started increasing more in intensity by the time he got to the Black Flag cover of Gimme Gimme. Which is a way slower version. Yeah, way subdued. <laughs> yeah, which is like, that's the millennial version of Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. You know? it was, I felt it was like very emo, I think, in that, uh, which is kind of funny. It's, uh, that and uh, Freedom of Choice as well. The Devo cover? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. lamenting versus up-tempo and edgy as the original. I thought the style actually kind of lent itself to that in that modern system of choice. You know, you have the freedom of choice, or, but uh, you got so many choices, you just choose the same thing every time or, like, we get locked in this pattern. You know, I think Devo kind of meant that in the original song. And so that kind of, I felt like the styling worked in that situation with that song a little bit better. 
which I thought was pretty cool. Where um, they really lost me was with the Depeche Mode cover. I was going to ask you about people. that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I've never even met you. It's neither it's political good. and yeah. Yeah, well, see, I felt the same way about all of them for the most part. Right. When I put that, it in that the one context, stuck out the most, I think. Yeah, I'm with you guys for sure. <laughs> but well, I mean, um, that song was super popular. Was it? It, it, it was, was and it, but it was so goddamn meaningful and making it. I mean, you're taking songs that are shouting songs in a lot of ways. Even imagine, you know, because there's uh, he's singing Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" is lamenting. You know, it's got, uh, you know, mother, mother, father, father, and all of that. What makes it a protest is that emotion. And when you take that dynamic out of it, then it it really they sink for me. But when you get to song number eleven, I go. There's an irony that I feel like he is including in this album that could or could not be taken away as a message. Now, are we talking about when the levee breaks? No, I don't, I don't even know what that was <laughs> in a weird way. But that when the levee breaks is an earlier song even than Led Zeppelin, as I remember. Yeah, uh, it's a blues artist named Memphis May and then Kansas Joe McCoy. Right. Uh, you can find their stuff on YouTube. Actually, I think it might be up on Spotify. It, it sounds almost nothing like the Led Zeppelin version, which, to be fair, the, the, the Led Zeppelin Ze versions never did either. Well, you just the, squeeze my lemon, and it's not the same thing. Right. <laughs> the, to give credit, the, the Led Zeppelin cover is iconic. Like, that drum sample, mm -hmm. like, Beastie Boy's career was built off of that. Yeah, John Bonham. <laughs> John Bonham. Like, we'll talk forever about the relationship between bass and drums and how those two lock together, but that's one of those those songs, you know. The, the band doesn't give credit to Led Zeppelin. They, they go back to the original with uh, Memphis Many and Kansas uh, Joe yeah. McCoy. Yeah. Doing some research, you know, as to the background of that. So in, in 1927, the Mississippi River flooded and apparently messed a bunch of things up. I would imagine, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when the levee breaks, you know, so I imagine that it must have been some, you know, post-Katrina type shit right. happening, you know. <laughs> But with even less support because the like the infrastructure because 1927 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and the message being or the inference being that you know in the times uh, when the levee breaks things are going to fall or whatever is you know through the 60s and the 70s when shit starts getting really hot and then all of a sudden something goes or you know but the uh, the cover version here by Perfect Circle. I, I really like the instrumentation again. I think it has a really good vibe going. Right. The vocals are so buried in the mix that you could barely tell what he's saying. It, and it's hard to get away from that, but they made that their own. They twisted that song 20 times differently, and I was yeah. surprised. To me, it came out as an acid jazz piece. I, yeah, I can see that. You know that. what I mean? I, and th this is, is one of the songs I do really like off of this album. I mean, it's something I could take it out of context and listen to it in context a little bit. Yeah. Harder. For being like, I believe the last song when the levee breaks, to me, it follows up after going to sleep. Well, just get ready. 
Levis, wake up. <laughs> it's going to happen. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, so. the, the blues song is real straightforward. It's like when the levee breaks, bad stuff's going to happen, and we're going to explain it to you because it's a blues song. Right. right. Like, and that's kind of what makes it great. They and, wrap up uh, They wrap up the album with Joni Mitchell's fiddle and drum. I, I think this is one of the ones where if it wasn't mannered, this would have not worked. But somebody had to match Joni Mitchell doing an acapella track like this. Yeah, this is this is this is one of those tracks where like less is better. Mm-hmm. You raise your sticks and cry, and we fall. Oh my friend, how did you come? To trade the fiddle for the drum. Where Agreed. less is better, you know, just Maynard's voice and, and the backing tracks, you know, it, it just less is just absolutely better with this one. Just the acapella camp, was great. The Bandcamp version didn't have that that song on there. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I know it was on the list and I kept looking for it, but I didn't find it. Well, well yeah, it's, a, it's very much an anti-war from the American side of things song. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a cappella. It's just pretty much a song about how wow. America has become warfaring. Here, it. It, it is a very powerful song on its own. And, and so once their again, their cover of it is straightforward, but equally as well done. Yeah. Sometimes you know, like with Maynard, I like have a love hate relationship with it. But when he is, when he uses his voice very well, it's that, always that's very, all that's in the very song. Very impressive, yeah. and it's always nice to hear people do that. One of the ones we did kind of skip over. That's not a cover. It's a slight reworking of one of their older songs was uh, Counting Bodies Like Sheep to the uh, Rhythm of the War Drums. Mm -hmm. It uses lyrics off of a song from the 13th Step called uh, Lullaby. But... The whole the album song. is a lullaby, like to me. It's well, still... <laughs> but that was the song on the previous album, right. and then they took some of those lyrics and reworked it into another song, yeah. which is very powerful in its own. And no, my, I really there's a like remix that of song. it that's really good, also. I, to me, the <laughs> instrumentation on this was better than most of it. The song changes, the uh, the lyrical content. I mean, I thought that was very. I, very I was like a perfect piece. circle when they go heavy, but they don't go heavy very often. <laughs> but when they do, it, it's it's usually great. Yeah, counting bodies like sheep. Yeah, that's a that's a favorite of a lot of people from this album. It's definitely one of their more aggressive songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. if not the most aggressive one, you know, their original piece. You know, definitely belongs in this album as well. And I, I'd say overall, I like the production on the album. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of Pe- Billy Howardell and how he writes stuff. It's, the production was wonderful very clean for, and sure. Packaged, for but, sure. Yeah. But as big of a fan of A Perfect Circle as I am, this is probably my least favorite album of theirs, and it's very hit or miss. There's a few tracks on here like What's Going On, Passive, yeah, Fiddle on the Drum, Levy Breaks, I think are great. And then stuff like yeah, you know, people are people, gimme, 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 things like that. They're they're, yeah, those, they're lesser. I those don't like two tracks back to, to back. I, you know, it's kind of like the dip in the album. You know, I mean, we're yeah. just kind of like listening. Let's have through. a war. They did fear. Let's have a war. You know, and the intro was great. There's so many of us. There's so many of us. And 
And that's the recognition that, well, this is one of our great cultural problems is yeah. how many of us there are and every one of us is a consumer and therefore in some sense a killer and a destroyer and some say so then the solution is and what do they do in the, the original one he screams it let's have a war yep. we and they are we need the space which that's where the wars happen you know so it's, one of the positive and that's the irony <laughs> well it's not that it's that they just take over somebody else's space true you know? yeah this you is know? true that's what it always is they want somebody else's space that's going on in ukraine right now and it's like i you know during the whole course of doing this thing i google like what are the top ukrainian songs right now and they're all just like teenage pop kind of stuff and there may be some subtle stuff i'm not getting in there and the language you know but i figured there would be some sort of a you know fight song i remember listening to this and my favorite tracks out of it were imagine and uh counting bodies like sheep yeah you know those were the ones that i would always kind of go to as well and imagine is the only cover that they continue to do live so when they do live shows that's it's not the only song out this album because they also do passive but as far as the covers go that's the only one they mm. do but you know having you know just coming back and revisiting all of these songs and, and and reviewing them and you know going through the content you know like what he did with Joni Mitchell's fiddle and drum for example and uh, what he did with Marvin Gaye's what's going on you yeah. know it, it's definitely very beautiful renditions very perfect circle for sure definitely enjoyable for a lot of people whether you are familiar with the originals or not so it might it might actually go over better if you're not <laughs> in, in some of these cases like if you just approach these as just straightforward right yeah and not pay attention to the originals then, right yeah. but uh, some of these songs are some of these songs are so popular that like there's it, it's hard not yeah. to have heard them before i mean it's it's funny because it is i do look at all these songs as inspirations that he's had that he's decided he wanted to cover when i think about covering songs too i was it's always songs in your past that you want to do, not yeah. someone that somebody just did. You know, you don't want everyone to cover. Oh, I'm going to cover that song. You know, which it happens. Maybe in it, something in the '50s, people did. Oh yeah, ten artists. One song comes out, ten artists are doing it. And that's the way music used to get sold as sheet music. And, it's and popular. Everybody's doing it. Right. So, <laughs> so you know, like uh, Aretha Franklin and twenty other jazz artists would all cover the same song. You True. Know, blues are they did the same thing. Yeah, it's it, it's not that if people are covering covering songs, it's just. For fun, yeah, as as inspirations, yeah, that's kind of cool. And I, I would say that most of their audience probably they might have heard Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" yeah. in the TV. They didn't know what it was. Depeche Mode, they would have heard. Devo, maybe if they're yeah. really into yeah, that. Maybe the whole have, thing. You kind of have to be a the Devo Fear song. Them. Probably, probably not. not. <laughs> Same thing with Black Flag. Yeah, and like... the Black Flag song. But anybody could just pick up this album now and then listen to it and then go back and. Pretty much. It's, later. it's very user-friendly album. So yeah. moving on, our next selection is not a cover album. Uh, this <laughs> Somebody is an, had to do something different. This is an original <laughs> piece from Across the Pond. I'm going to go ahead and let my colleague Adam introduce this selection and let well, him take it away. Yeah, well, you guys, when you, we decided we were going to do something based on protest music, based on the sign of the times and the summer and the events and everything, and I was like, okay, that's cool, and I had it huge list of stuff that I love. It was hard to find something current. You know, music doesn't always get written before the event that happens, right? Yeah. It, it's usually written afterwards, and right. that, that is one reason why a lot of it always becomes social commentary. I had this band after this band and this band. I wanted to do Joe Strummer. He'd passed. The last album was like almost 20 years ago, and that 
big audio dynamite and those guys too and so much stuff and it just really racked my brain so i was like well who's current and we talked earlier that a system of a down didn't have anything recent and um rage against the machine didn't have anything really recent that they were doing and so i was kind of lost my old favorites you know like bad brains and you know other stuff just wasn't there you know nobody was creating anything new and i was like is everybody asleep are they asleep what's really going on and obviously not i think the the source of popular music has kind of shifted from stylistically like what kids are listening to now is that maybe the issue that's there and a lot of it is edm and electronica there's obviously a ton of hip-hop that people listen to that is definitely motivated towards social change and we could bring up Public Enemy, which is in these guys, they've they've mentioned them and this, yep. but the artist I chose and how I did it was I just Googled top twenty protest albums of twenty twenty two. Okay. And there is a website that will give you all of the history of protest music from Pete Seeger and beyond. And this album was awesome. It just stoked me after it was everything yes. that we listened to, which was more electronica and more shrink wrap. This one was just more DIY, do it yourself. It was totally punk, but it was also a hip hop album and it was a really clean one in terms of the delivery, which made it really accessible, which works really well as a protest album. Cause if you're just spitting off a bunch of stuff, it doesn't make any sense, then you're not gonna get a point across. But these guys got their freaking points across and they nailed what they were talking about. If I was a government, I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, this was a protest album of protest albums for sure, very poignant messages we're talking about bob violent bob violent v-y-l-a-n bob violent presents the price of life right see i was going for bob villain like it was a play hey i'll take bob and bobby because it's a brother trio one plays guitar one plays bass bobby with a y and bobby with an i so this is bob violent presents the price of life and this was a concept record about wealth-based inequality uh it gets into class it tackles race it even tackles your dietary selection just everything it pretty much get the tax pretty much hits everything you know nothing is safe from this album great lyrical hooks they just they they get it they dig in i mean as i was taking my notes i was like oh man i gotta write that down i gotta write that down it's you know the first song uh, walter speaks it's all about people in uh, economic crisis you know the second one is probably gonna is they're gonna be their their wicked and hit, bad wicked and bad and it in the back, moving wicked Rent on the rise, you can't afford it. Baby need new clothes, told your lady that you'll sort it. In this line of work, if work is stolen, then you can't report it. Bridging through you grub, intercepted bitch, I caught it. I'm just lucky that I caught it. It's just like, my favorite line was, SpongeBob at at the bank put the money in the bag. Pretty much, uh, (laughs) that track is is very straightforward. Uh, The message is, life is hard. Time to rob shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's a it's the plight of a working class person and a lot of or someone who doesn't even have a job. You know, there's a certain thing that morality is a luxury of the rich. If you can afford to, you don't have to question what you're willing to do, and that puts that on the line in this. And it's these guys are Jamaican, raised in England, as far as I can tell. It does um, talk about that social resentment, you know, in that song. You know, when he talks good, about, but he never meant shit to me because the 
motherfucker was whack. Plus, well, he hated black. That's a Chuck D quote. It, it's a from Public Enemy. It's a slightly different take on that, but yeah, that's almost a direct lift off of uh, Public Enemy. Right. right. And meaning the same thing too, you know. Both talking about Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the the take that Chuck D. Yeah, Elvis was was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me, and it, and that's definitely about co-opting cultural wealth in a certain way. But then the fifth song is Health is Wealth. And they talk about how most kids are eating chips and chicken, yeah, I fried chicken, know, like, and people it, getting diabetes. And, is and that's food so that cheap tr- over there? Because no. they keep saying two pound chicken but and chips. I'm like, where can I get two pounds, two dollars worth? Of, <laughs> well, it's chicken, probably chicken a two pound bucket of like KFC, right? But still, two pounds. That's that's pretty pretty much talks about the ills of the meat industry. Yes. It's unhealthiness, nutrition and class, too. It's about food poverty. And, you know, when you live in an area that doesn't have grocery stores, it can provide you with, yeah, food deserts. That's what it is. Ah, Okay. So and that's that's a real important thing. And that's all actually summed up, too, because it's all through advertising that you buy junk food. And one of my favorite ones on this one was um, with the song called Alexa. And it's the quote is, our babies belong to them. And it's, well. Our babies belong to them. Our babies belong to them. Our babies belong to them. Oh, fuck. Someone's at the door. I'll call you back. Give the kid the phone from the very beginning. You know, where are they going? Wherever you advertise to them. And that was the big fight against Big Tobacco and uh, Joe Camel back in the day. That and was Rush uh, Limbaugh's biggest... Oh, right, phone thought, tap Alexa. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a song about mass surveillance, yeah. you know. And and when well, you in look that at... sense, but it's you're giving it to your kids, that right? Too. And yes. that's how you're grooming. So that's why they say the children belong to us, as in to the phone people, not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there. You might be a parent, TikTok, but right they're now, yeah. but what's on their phone is more impactful to them. And right. we wrestled as as parents that our kids are more into the computer, then they'll they'll learn whatever they want to learn and however they want to do it on a computer, which sounds listen gr- to us. When you say it like that, that sounds great. <laughs> but it's like, what do you want to learn? Not much. Right. I just want yeah. to watch the dumbest videos. I know. I want to watch people be- fail all day right. long. I yeah. want to watch people watching videos. That's and then the reacting one thing. to it. I'm like, why don't you just? I, I know. Yeah. I'm going, going off on a tangent as a parent. No. But like, why don't you watch the actual video instead of watching the video of somebody <laughs> reacting to the video? Have you watched the other video before? No, you're just watching the reacting video. Yeah. Why? But yeah. I'll chalk it up as I. I'm a parent. I'm an adult. I don't understand. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you just have to live with it. It gets very, very, very punk with Pretty Little Song. You know, that's just a mm-hmm. typical punk anthem about social issues. Yeah, I'm and, violent when I need to be. You've got a problem. Come see me. Black lives have always mattered. You were just never told so on TV. I could do this all day long. Sing a song, a pretty little song. Blah, blah, rah, 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 that's alright, but I'd rather fight. I could do this all day long, sing a song, pretty little song, blah, blah, rah, rah, rah. that's alright. He was, yeah, he's totally talking about, like, I could write pretty songs, but why? You know, he'd well, rather, it's, it's, it's like, easy to do, but it doesn't mean anything. 
And there, there is something to that. You know, this is the this song I would say is a bigger social risk than the previous two albums. Right. You know, like this guy is pushing buttons and obviously pushing buttons, and he's stripping the veneer off how we live. You know, everything from what we watch on TV, how it's advertised to us, what we purchase, what we buy, and the life situations that we're in because of poverty, race, and immigration, et cetera, et cetera. And he makes it clear as day. And that's threatening to big corporations and governments who want things to go nice, nicely. And throughout the history of protest music, that's something that's always been there is, are you protesting and provoking a fight? Or are you protesting and trying to make peace out of it? And that's a hard tack. One is a sales pitch, and the other one is just put the money in the bag, right? And one's threatening, one's kind of not. Are but, you attacking the establishment? Yeah, are the, you an establishmentist or are you cookie, an anti-disestablishmentarian? cookie-cut system, pretty right. much. To, to go back to that second song, Wicked and Bad, it, it very much is a... You know, we're poor, so we're robbing stuff, things like that. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the, the, the third track, uh, right. Big Man. Piggies catch you with the poppy, they might turn you to a singer. It's happened to a few once they put them through the ringer. Big man, big man, you're the king of this land. Where are you going? Where are you going? Big man, king of his land. Where Which sounds like he's talking down to somebody that's sort of in the situation uh there were some interviews he said this song specifically and i would also say probably the, the uh, wicked and bad before that he's talking to him his younger self yeah when, when he's doing it like specifically okay. he's talking to like the younger version of himself like you don't know what the fuck you're doing mm-hmm. yeah but there's always still that guy the critique of that other guy who is the big man who's out there who, yeah like, yeah it, it works for other people as right. well but having a target that is you it, it helps personalize it and it makes it's always interesting to see the growth and rise of artists who become famous with protest music once they're there on that platform they have the fame they have the power what do they do with it who do they become afterwards like in history i'd say bono is a perfect example of that you know i think you know over time he kind of got a bad rap as an egoist or whatnot but coming up from you know what he was dealing with in Ireland when Margaret Thatcher was still there and these guys mentioned Margaret Thatcher they want to dig her up and ask her where the the food was what what happened the food that they were promised you know and then they want Churchill floating downstream you know throw him in there there's some good good cuts there what do the what do do artists do with that once they've got that sell records sell records (laughs) right but then then you just just sell out you know at that point Bono's Bono's known for a lot of humanitarian work obviously he's done a lot of good for sure which and the stuff he's doing, it can only be done by somebody with his amount of clout and money. Of course. Well, that's part of it. But he does, he played an amazing tightrope, too, you know. I mean, he wasn't as overly, overtly vocal as these guys are. Well, but, no. You know, from uh, day one, he was preaching peace. You know, it, it was a tightrope to watch because I can imagine being Bono and hitting, like, 14 bazillion views and having the British government going, like, if he says anything about Ireland, we're going to have to do something. You know what I mean? Well, these he's got to live under that, you know, that terrorist threat from a government that doesn't agree with him. Well, these guys don't have to worry about that portion of it like they because they 
totally go for it. They, All right, yeah, I lyrics know they like do. wage <laughs> war against the state. It's a fascist regime. And yeah. they definitely and, don't yeah. sound as as nice and as clean as Bono. For they're sure. they're you know, not they, trying to make you feel good. Right. He, yeah. he, he gets some real iced tea vibes with yeah. uh, Turn Off the Radio. But I love that it's a it's punk, it's it's grime hip hop. Like a substance guiding the masses while real people surviving on rations. Write a smash hit while the country is crashing. Your radio single lacks passion. Turn it off. Turn off the radio. Turn off that It's, it's perfectly digestible for anyone. Turn it's, off the radio. He's just pretty much ripping. And on, I would again, say, the cookie cut establishment. It is Land bands all smiling and grinning. <laughs> Meanwhile, the whole country is hurting. It does make me feel like I live in a bubble, though, which I might. Right. Because I was like, who listens to the radio anymore? Like, who's getting their music right. that way? Well, the revolution exactly. will not be televised. Except it will be. It will be, but it'll be streamed. It will be on the radio, though. Because you're not sure what you're watching is real or not. This is true. Yay, deepfakes for for ruining the rest of it. What will happen is they'll show you the same loop over and over again. And now it's the 10 o'clock news, and then five days later, oh, this happened yesterday. Same loop. Five days later, same loop. You got songs like GDP that was pretty much talking about thugging out of desperation. Yeah, that's what I think the system is fucked up. It it, it describes a a lot of social resentment within right. the black community. Yeah. The BBC are talking about the GDP. Fuck it. Miss me with that mess. Coming for the belly when we run up in your address. Get caught sleeping, take the money from the mattress. Man know the roads, there's no need for Atlas. Trying to take all that you own and leave you cashless. Cash rules, everything. Businessmen's ideas of success and the belief that the trickle-down system will work for them as long as the gross domestic product is profitable, then everyone will do well, and people are often left behind in that situation. Right. I guess to simplify it, like, the news is out there talking about stuff that only really applies to rich people, and to everyone else, it's like, how yeah. am I going to eat? Depends <laughs> on whatever that segment is, you know. If you go to the business sector, then that half of the people may just turn that section off, and other people, you know, would go, oh, I, now they're doing the stock reports turn it up you know then he also attacks big pharma yeah that for, was a good one with too. drug war again you know just a strong punk anthem are you happy are you sad are you dying are you bleeding are you tired are you having trouble getting off the slate are you nervous anxious depressively ruthless yeah we serve it for a price step inside of you they're copied from the straight like a mafia only dealer you can trust over the counter is a monster you'll be dealing with some cops and we decide enough's enough we'll leave you high and dry and bust you want to kill yourself but we prescribe a pill for that you love I got huge System of a Down vibes from the vocals on this one. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much about how Big Pharma is pushing drugs for anything. Yeah, well, it's the whole idea that, you know, oh, you want to be healthy? Or were you healthy or unhealthy before? We advertise this to you on TV. And then if you're having problems with this or this or that, then see your doctor and then go get it. And then well, be, beware of the, if you are suffering from this or this or that, the, you know, the disclaimer so that they're not guilty. But then you got to go buy it. You got to get it. You got to go to the doctor. And then well, you got to get the refill and the refill and the refill. And I, I'm trying and the to refill. find the, the, uh, the lyric for it, but so I'll just paraphrase. Because are, are you addicted to drugs? Yeah. We have a pill for that. We have a pill for everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's why it's the drug war. It's the economic right. war between the drug companies and, you know, to see how much money they can make and profit off of imperfection that Hollywood makes us all feel imperfect because everything's so perfect. Well, stylized, idealized. I I push back against that to some extent, though, because songs like this have a tendency to stigmatize reaching out for help for using drugs and whatnot. And for some people, and I will include myself on this, for some people, 
it's it's a necessity just to live. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and not right. even like I, you know, heart medication and stuff like that. Yeah. Besides that, just being able to be in a well enough mental state to function. Sometimes it takes drugs. Of course. <laughs> and, and yeah. And I'm you know. Well, and, and the irony is they're self medicating and there's medicating. Right. And, you know, having done them but, all. But he's <laughs> yeah, very much like talking about you know, the pharmaceutical industry. And there are problems with the oh, industry. We know. Like right. all sorts of stuff. But it, jacking the prices up for insulin. Uh, uh, yes. Stuff like that. Like right. especially in the United States. This band is not subtle. Mm-hmm. And so they are they, articulate. No. <laughs> right. Well, but the thing is, like, it, to me, it's a subject matter that does require some subtlety and some nuance. Right. And that's it, not this band's strong it, it, suit. No, it's not. And that's it's <laughs> No, it's most of these things are, are things that are, are readily apparent. And uh, yeah. maybe not everybody sees. The GDP is a perfect example. Like, well, do you know that much about economics, right? Uh, do you have to know that much about economics? Are you on the team or are you off the team? And then are you even allowed on the team is kind of where yeah, that GDP that, thing comes yes. in. Like, And this is basically saying that they're not. That They don't know what the fuck it is. They don't care what the GDP is because their GDP people aren't even concerning them in what's going on as far as their concern. The intellectual basis of needing that knowledge or being able to express, express it may not be necessary for these guys because they are talking about their pov from where they're at and the experiences that they're going through of course we all have witnessed it and watched it and know it even happens to us even though we may be on the bus one of the things i i had to look up because i I was unfamiliar with the term was bait the bear which is the song title called Mm -hmm. you know bait the bear right Hardly surprising, colonizers, colonizing. From Jamaica to Lahore, stolen land and stolen diamonds, all achieved by violence and life there in life. And I found two different, both weird you know, definitions for it, and I don't know exactly which one, because either one could work. Uh, one was basically to chain up a bear and then let dogs attack it until it, it was, dies. It was an Old West, um, or even earlier, I think it even goes back to medieval ages, it was a game that people would play. You chain up a bear and... Then, then you would try to fight it or take bets with it and, you know, that kind of stuff. The track is is pretty much the world is violent and wage war against the state. Yeah. In, a, in a nutshell. Well, uh, the, the other definition, which I could fit at least in some of the other songs, was basically feeding a bear enough, ju- like, junk food or at least feeding it enough that it was way easier to hunt it. it especially when you look at some of the other songs health-wise, it's you feed people junk food to the point where I think there's also they can't fight back there's an allusion (laughs) here to a bear market there's a difference between a bull market but yeah like you mentioned Doug you know there's definitely no subtlety you know these guys are very concise very explicit in what they're saying and and what they mean Uh, they wrap up the album with what you gonna do and uh, the lyrics here England is fucked racist policies it's pretty much about england being screwed and about racist policies and about a police state uh, it's a call to change Exactly. Are you going to do it? Or are you going to stand up? Are you going to? I mean, it could be as simple as get out and vote. 
What you're going to do, it's either them or you. As yeah. what, we, what we hope is nobody's actually trying to incite violent change or anything, but, it, you know, if you have to, you know, boil some oil to get people to go to the polls. Of course. <laughs> you know, then it's not so bad. Uh, we can all enjoy the music. I think that overall this album does a really good job in, in letting you feel that outrage, that indignation. I, to me, there was a, it was refreshing to see the fight in it. Yes. You know, you and done well. Something that I could relate to that wasn't a mystery to me, you know. It's like, as a voter, I, I personally believe that I'm going to be dead. What should I care about? I should only care about what my children want, what our future needs, you know, what their needs are, and whether or not, you know, we're they're going to inherit a clean world and a just world where everybody can live in peace. And if there's no justice, there's no peace. If there's no environment, there's no health. So, you know, I think it's a good album. I don't know much about England's life out there. You know, I know that they're really big on on uh, CCTV and mass surveillance. Uh, yeah, their yes. law enforcement. England is sounds very much a that. lot like our country. Yes. <laughs> well, so not to give make a huge history lesson here, but England did become the world's largest superpower at one time, and they said the world the sun never sets on the British Empire because they had colonies everywhere. The Fourth of July is actually a really big deal. Um, because we were one of the first to actually just throw off the yoke of royalty and governments that were based on inheritance, et cetera, et cetera. It was kind of even a intellectual middle-class revolt versus maybe the Parisian or the Russian Revolution. And I, I guess just to go off of that a little bit with like how England is, uh, a couple of songs from previous album, they have a song called We Live Here, which we didn't appear out of thin air. Mm-hmm. We live here. Told me go back to my own country. Said since we arrived, this place has got so ugly. But this is my fucking country, and it's never been fucking lovely. We live in a Right, uh, which... and they and they live there because they were the a product of the empire and of colonialization. Well, not just that though. I I think it's taken in more of like this is our house. We've been here for like twenty something years. Yeah, we have just as much invested in this neighborhood. Right, don't tell us to go back to where you came right. from. Yeah, because that's, that's... that sort of thing happens in the United States. It sounds like it's happening in England. Oh yeah. Another one is uh, they have a song called uh, "You Want Your Country Backwards." I heard you want your country back. Shut the fuck up. I heard you want your country back. Oh shit, me too. You stole it right out of my hands and put the rug right under my feet. I'm not turning me's Nat King Cole, a well-dressed brother with a revolution. I heard you want your country back. Me too. Yeah, I mean, they do make that case here. Like for example, yeah. they talk about that in GDP. I couldn't give a fuck if this country hates me here. They stole our people, displaced, and placed us here. This was definitely a very interesting selection. So overall, as far as the three albums Happy that we... Happy discovery for me, this one. Yeah. I mean, this is one I'd, I'd go out and buy that record. For sure, for sure. As far as the three albums that we've listened to today, what are you guys' thoughts? You know, I don't know that this is a, it's all a fair comparison. I think it, the artists that we've previous to are great artists in their own right, but we're also comparing them to other stuff that we always did because they you know, as a rewrite of their song. So your love or hate relationship with the songs is kind of moot in a sense. I would say that if I didn't speak the language, if any of the stuff that they played, I would have gone, yeah, I like the album. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to having the song being repeated to me through another person's lens, you kind of see something different out of it, and that creates... And that's not an easy thing to do. Not very many people cover songs very, very well. But the last group, The Violence, I think... To me, that that's a fun one, and I'm glad to see them on the scene uh, from a lot of new musical standpoints. You know, I'm uh, gonna say that I think Go Fight should have picked more intense songs if they wanted to call this a protest yeah, album. Yeah, agreed. They, they picked a few good ones, you know, but I, I really, I mean, like a lot of the selection there. Like, I don't know what Jim was thinking, but it didn't really make a lot of sense. It just seems like a tribute to the era, kind of, you know. But overall, the purpose of the album is is definitely very noble, you know, helping again. To helping to defend uh, the rights of immigrants and refugees. I think in that sense, it's an example that, you know, it doesn't all have to be subject-specific, you know, but you can still use your art for a good cause and to fight and to make a difference. And that's what Jim is, is definitely doing with Anthem. So Yeah, those, those two albums had the disadvantage of not being timely because they were covers, they were from previous time, whereas this album... From the violence was very timely, very current. They're talking about themselves. They're talking about things that are happening now. Um, so it's easier to get in that headspace. Now, as far as from cover album to cover album, Perfect Circle definitely hit the nail on the head as far as it being a protest album for sure. You know, they they there's more there's more timely stuff in there. Exactly, it was less social commentary, but actual there's what's going on. I guess. The, the issue for me comes up on Go Fight's album. I really like the album. I enjoy listening to the album. I do agree that some of them don't feel even a little bit political. Uh, they're just not <laughs> like they're just songs that he picked out for this. And, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I think the Perfect Circle album does do a much better job of picking songs to cover for politics and protests and stuff like that. For sure. That Absolutely. being said, I do not enjoy listening to the album as much as I do the other one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's always and, kind of funny that way. There's one little thing. You know, what are you going to look over and overlook? And what are you going to love? And, and then on the uh, Bob Villain, uh, the Bob Villain one, you got to love a good punk album, especially if it can yes. do rap and not come off as cheesy. And which play. This well, very you say, much to, yeah, play the guitar and do that at the same time. Yeah, the, he, the there's two people in the band, Bobby with a Y and Bobby right. with an I. One does vocals and plays guitar, the other one plays drums. Right. And then they also have some trap or grime type production in the background as uh -huh. well, but uh, almost everything has guitar. There's a third on party it. in there somewhere, if not possibly. More, yeah. But probably the, you know, I always like to think of it from a songwriting perspective, you know. Yes. They're coming up with the music. He's got his notebook and his brother's right there on the drums. And he's going, what about this riff I was working on? He's like, yeah, I like it. Maybe for some performance aspects, they may pipe stuff in, but still real. And it's refreshing according to, to some have of the, the articles, combination uh, of all of it. Uh, according to some of the articles, they, they played their first show two weeks after they formed as a band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. But yeah, on the... Uh, uh, on the Bob Villain album, like I said, always got to love a good punk album, uh -huh. which is exactly what this Absolutely. is. It's angry. It's got a point. I am a cis, hetero, white guy from the you know, Midwest suburbs and all that stuff. So I don't have this guy's experiences in most of what he's saying. I can very much relate to food scarcity. I have right. a large family. Yeah, we do struggle to keep food in the house. We do it, but it's a struggle and it's been getting harder recently with everything mm -hmm. going up in price. Absolutely. So a lot of that resonated hard with me. <laughs> yeah. I, have to say that. Uh, I really like the album. 
No, but Bob Violin Presents The Price of Life was definitely my favorite selection. As a protest album, you know, I thought it was fresh. The lyrics were definitely very engaging. You know, like you always say, Adam, if you got something to say, say, say it clear, say right. it loud, say it concise. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys left nothing to the imagination of anything. The they were years. definitely a little too explicit, like Doug mentioned. You know, they could probably use a little bit of sense and sensibility when talking about certain things. Uh, especially me, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I, too, take medications, you know. You don't take medications for everything, but you do take them for some things, and they're there for a reason, so. But the complaint from this is that there is a trap, and they'll involve yeah, that, too. Yeah, I, I get some of the points. I really yeah. do. It, it's more of the, the fact that the song stigmatizes the idea. People just take it as the, the whole, medicine's bad, even if no, there are final points. Yeah. I don't think they're saying that necessarily. Well, I don't think but... they're saying it. I think that's just how people take it. They might, yeah. Exactly. There's definitely a lot of people that do take it and don't understand the mental health and, and the medication involved with that and how that aids in mental health and how they go hand in hand. But, it's yeah. the bad relationship between producers and advertisers that make that use you feeling inferior. Oh, absolutely. That's, I think, I, that they're targeting. I, I, I could agree that medication commercials are, like, the worst. Right, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's just like, if it's just acne or uh, some skin rash or whatever, or, you know, are you peeing too often? And I'm like, well, you know, et cetera. But no, the, the Price of Life was definitely a very satisfying album, for sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah. and, and definitely a strong protest album. Uh, well, folks, uh, those are all of the songs and all of the albums that we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Unfolding Sound. Until next time, folks, thank you so much for joining us. This is Will System signing off with... Doug Leach. And... This is Adam signing off, and I'd like to say uh, everyone who's anybody's interested should try to go to www.thehistoryofprotestsongs.com. Check out their website. There's a lot of cool history in there. And there's a lot of new stuff that's out, and they're keeping track of it, uh, the conflicts around the world, and maybe you can learn something. Maybe you can borrow something. All shared is good and well. Be informed. Be aware. Know what's going on. You know, definitely very important topics for sure. So those are all the uh, reviews that we have today. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Unfolding Sound. We definitely hope that you'll join us next time. Until then, take care.